0: This is the Bearcast presented by Bird Colchian Ford. Bird Calhoun Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number 1 selling truck in Texas 43 years running. The Bearcast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim 365 Radio, Sikkim365.com, the post-July 4th episode of July 5th, 2022. And I marked the date because uh, when you look back on this, you kind of have a time frame because who the heck knows what is going on right now in college sports, college athletics, and especially college football is very interesting time Uh, for college sports fans and for Baylor fans. We're going to break that down along with some of the more positive news that came out of this past week in the form of some new commitments for Dave Aranda and the football class of 2023. But Craig Smoke with you as always, Sikkim 365 radio host and also writer. Uh, Joined as always by Grayson Grunhafer, director of broadcasting, also team and recruiting reporter. And Grayson, since we last spoke, uh, the Big 12 has basically fallen apart again. Maybe the Pac-12 has basically falling apart. USC and UCLA are headed to the Big Ten, and uh, everybody's running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to figure out what the future holds for the majority of uh, teams out there, including the Baylor Bears. So with that said, uh, how was your week? And are you trying to grasp like everybody else is trying to grasp what's going on right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, so it was a good weekend, a Fourth of July weekend. Of course, was a lot of fun. I celebrated my anniversary with my wife, my two-year anniversary last uh, yesterday, and so uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say it was a very, very good weekend. Obviously, it all started with the news of the UCLA USC, uh, you know, they're moving to the Big Ten, and obviously, the first reaction is, man, that that's. Really crazy. They're going to be in the Big 10 before Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC, even though they did a year later. Uh, and now you're just kind of sitting there and going, okay, so who's in the best position to become a super conference quicker? And also, where's this leave the Big 12? And for me, I actually think the Big 12 is in a better position today than really they have been in the last year and a half. And I firmly believe that. I think they're going to be able to go out and add teams if they stay aggressive. And I think they're going to put themselves in a position where they could be the first conference to 20 teams and essentially be a super conference.
0: Well, we got Jack McKenzie and Garrett Sanders behind this. uh, Not Garrett Sanders, Garrett Ross behind the scenes. Sorry, I had a Garrett that I used to know back in Tyler, works in TV. So sorry for the slip up there, but Garrett Ross behind the scenes. Um, And, yeah, we were just kind of talking before the show about sort of what the latest rumor is. And it really depends on whose Twitter feed you're looking at and the last time that you looked at it because, I mean, I glanced down now and uh, the latest is the Pac-12's remaining teams are trying to get together to continue TV negotiations, which I don't know who would take them all that seriously at the moment and and how exactly they would – Uh, really get too much accomplished going that route. There's talk that they could raid the Big 12. And then, of course, there's talk on the other side that the Big 12 could take as many as six Pac-12 teams uh, here in this next phase. So, again, it depends on where you look uh, on who's got what rumor right now. But it does appear, I would think, that the Big 12 is in more of a powerful position than the Pac-12. Even if the Pac-12's got a couple of bigger brands remaining in Washington and Oregon. Overall, I think the Big 12 is a lot more enticing and a lot stronger than the Pac-12 currently is. And the Pac-12 reeling from their own little uh, Big 12 situation, like you mentioned, Oklahoma and Texas this time last year. Uh, They, you know, get exposed by Brett Zorneman covering the Aggies and their intent to join the SEC in the cover of darkness, and that gets all blown up right after Big 12 media days. Uh, but here in this scenario, before media days even get underway, uh, which is going to make things really interesting, is that all these media days are going to be going on over the next you know few weeks. And this is out there now that U- USC and UCLA are going to be heading to the Big Ten in a couple years. And since that announcement, it's all been about all right, where does everybody else land, and what happens the rest of the Pac-12? And um, you know, when this first news, when this news first broke on Friday, or Thursday, I guess it, I couldn't help but feel initially pretty good about the Big 12, and then get pretty worried about the Big 12 because then you start wondering about rating and who else could be on their way out, and then I kind of watch the dust settle, and, I mean, the Big 12 seems like the Big 12's best bet is those teams staying together, going and adding what they can, and then just staying the course and seeing how the next couple of years go. I mean, that's after all these days of just kind of sitting back and listening to everything, that seems like their best route, and it does seem like they are uh, better positioned and certainly better off than uh, they were just a year ago. To even you know be in a position of strength right now is kind of surprising. Who would have thought? You know, if you fast forwarded, uh, but but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And um, you know, you could see Oregon and Washington joining this conference suddenly, or you could see them going to the Big Ten. Uh, you could see those two and you know four others potentially joining if the latest rumors you know true. But Who the heck knows right now, quite frankly. Yeah, and that's what the Big 12 needs in my eyes is Oregon, Washington
1: uh, to be added. And then, of course, the ones that have been mentioned already, Colorado, Utah, and then the two Arizona schools. Those six make the most sense. And then you kind of figure out, you know, everyone's going to figure out what's going to happen with Stanford and Cal. Obviously, the Notre Dame domino is kind of the first one that has to fall. Mm -hmm. You know, what what are they going to do next? And I think eventually they're going to realize the money is going to be a problem that they're going to want to go to a conference where they could make, you know, 80 to hundred million more like the big 10. Um, and I think they're going to figure out that honestly being independent, I don't think is going to work out extremely well for them in the future. Even though I know it has so far, they've been able to make the college football playoff, but I think eventually they're going to realize that that's not really the best path to success um, nowadays. Now I think the big 12 finally has leverage as well with kind of where the Pac 12 is at, I think the Big 12 is stronger than the Pac-12, and I really do think all signs, are to me, are pointing like they're going to go add some schools and be aggressive, Um, but I also think they need to be open to the possibility that the ACC could get rated tomorrow, and then you also want to have room to go add, you know, a few quality schools from the ACC as well so that you can kind of extend your footprint uh, throughout the country instead of just on the West Coast.
0: Yeah, the only thing with that is that pesky Grant rights that yep. runs through 2036, yep. and I think that's where everybody's kind of confused because I've seen a lot of people start to go, well, Duke and North Carolina and Georgia Tech. Like, okay, here's the teams that I've seen rumored, according to expansion experts out there, Georgia Tech, Virginia – Clemson, Miami, Florida State, uh, and like two or three others have all been rumored to go to either the SEC or the Big Ten in the next like 10 years. (laughs) So, um, you know, if any of that happens at any point in the next decade, then somebody out there was right about their speculation. But that's pretty much all it is, is, just throwing crap at the wall and hoping that some of it sticks um, but they do have a grant of rights agreement that runs through 2036. So yes, um, that makes everything a little bit more complicated. Uh, the Pac-12 doesn't have a whole lot of time to figure out what's what. They got to they gotta move, and, and the teams in the Pac-12 have to do what they have to do. But, you know, barring the ACC just totally falling apart and getting sued into oblivion to where somehow it magically relinquishes the schools from their obligations – um, this thing's going to drag out for a while, and it's just a matter of what's this next move in the phase, what's the next calculated decision made, and how does that lead into whatever the the chapter, you know, three or four, or whatever you want to refer to it as. Because Oklahoma and Texas was a thing, and then USC UCLA was a thing, and there's going to be another thing eventually. But the ACC's contracts does complicate this somewhat, and I'm not a lawyer, so I'll be interested to see kind of all a scuttlebutt on how this could get unwound and allow for, in theory, some teams to go join the SEC in the future or the Big Ten, and then eventually you've got your super conferences. But that can't really happen right now. So if you're the Big 12, you got to look at, like, hey, what can we grab now? But you also have to wonder, you still have TV negotiations coming up in a couple years, and there's going to be this dangling thing with the ACC and whatever they're going to be like over the next few years and how long that lasts. So it's all, it's all very interesting, but uh, you've got to only, not only make moves for right now, but also looking ahead to the future as well. So it's all very complicated. Yeah,
1: and I, I feel like, man, this, this hire of Brett Yormark... I I hope they hit because he's got his hands full immediately. I mean, this is a heck of a situation to be thrown into. Now, he might have known this was coming um, immediately, but based on everything I've seen, I I don't think anyone knew that it was coming this soon. Um, So, yeah, now the Big 12's got to figure out a way to stay aggressive. And I'm with you. They got to figure out a way to go add some pieces. But I guess what I'm saying is you don't want to completely fill up your conference when there could be more dominoes that are still to fall and more teams that maybe fit even better and could extend your footprint, Um, that'd be massive. But I don't see a problem in adding, you know, four, six teams. I I think they got to be aggressive.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm just saying all the people that are talking ACC like that – can't happen right now, nor can it happen the way things are right now. That can't happen anytime soon. The way I mean, things are. The way things that are. can change. Yeah, but, like, that's what I'm saying is I don't know how the contracts work, and there's a lot of people just like, well, Duke should just go to the Big Ten. <clears throat> well, they can't just go to the Big Ten. Like, that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. North Carolina can't just jump to the Big Ten right now. Clemson can't just jump to the SEC. If they could, they would. I'm sure they would. But for now, at least— It's the Pac-12 that's trying to survive. It's the Big 12 that's trying to survive. And they're both trying to pick off each other, although I think the Big 12 has a better upper hand. And then the ACC is like this big wild card that people want to start moving the pieces around, but the game's not even allowed to be played just yet because, again, that contract is, in theory, through another 13 years. So um, a lot would have to give there to allow that to to be this magical scenario that everybody's like, hey, just move this here, and they're here, and they're here, and we'll start in 2024. Like, it's a little more complicated than that. But that is that wild card, you know, what you have to think about if you're the Big 12. Okay, not only where are we right now and what can we grab right now, but if we do this, in two years, if the ACC falls apart, what can we do? Right. But if they don't fall apart for 10 years, which is entirely possible, um... And we know that in 10 years, the SEC is going to grab Clemson or whatever. Like what happens in those 10 years? What can we do? How can we position, position ourselves? And that's where it's all like this Game of Thrones thing. It's, it's, it's way more complicated than it seems on Twitter.
1: Right. So, <laughs> so I heard a few arguments to, uh, today, I guess, when I was listening to, you know, a few different videos and it, few talking heads kind of talk about what's going on. And I know Joel Klatt was talking about the potential of the big 12 doing something like two 10 team divisions, but it's tiered. So you have a tier one and a tier two, and then you almost do it like soccer where there's relegation and you're, you know, moving teams up, moving teams down. I don't, I do not see that working at all. Just the money. I don't think would be advantageous for teams to want to be in tier two or interest. Know, right. Like I just don't, I don't understand how that would work. Um, But the other one that I heard was actually from Bud Elliott, who was kind of talking about how he thinks there's enough room for three super conferences, which I'm kind of on board with as well. And I know a lot of people are pretty much just saying there'll be two. Big Ten, SEC, that's it. No room to add teams. There's only going to be 40 teams. Uh, But I think there's a pretty good case to seeing, you know, that the Big 12 could potentially be that third super conference because, I mean, a lot of these teams aren't going to want to just play the top 40 teams every year. I mean, fan bases are going to get upset when you're sitting there and you're going four and eight every single year. And you have no room to move up outside of trying to recruit better. There is no, you know, number one overall pick. There is no uh, really free agency where you can go out outside maybe the transfer portal. But I do think it's an interesting argument that it could be 60 instead of 40 in which it's very important that the Big 12 finds a way to get to 20 teams quickly.
0: Well, they are set up to have 12. Let's just kind of let's look at the landscape right now. So USC and UCLA are going to the pack. Uh, to excuse me, are going to the the Big Ten here in a couple years, mm-hmm. so we know that UT and Oklahoma a couple years from now. Although there was a little door. Uh, cracking open a little ray of light that looked like the Pac-12 is going to implode, and then everything breaks loose, and then they're able to get out of the Big 12, and they're, they're able to start, like, next year. You know, like that, <laughs> I saw that scuttlebutt. But, you know, the one thing is, as far as this upcoming year, like, nothing's going to be unchanged. That's all we know as far as the future of college football is this upcoming year is going to be as normal as it's probably going to ever be ever again. Yeah. Um, that's what we do know. And then after that, all bets are off. So the Big 12, the latest report is they are in deep discussions uh, with six Pac-12 teams, uh, so everybody's been debating who's actually got the upper hand. Uh, it appears the Big 12 does, and rightfully so, because I do like their contingent outside of Oregon and Washington, like brand power size-wise, better than the overall package over in the in the Pac-12 currently. Um, but six teams, and the two big ones are Oregon-Washington, but those are also the ones that have been rumored to be going to the Big 10. And the rumor there is that everybody's waiting on Notre Dame. Yep. So we don't know about Oregon and Washington exactly, but those would be the top two if you're the Big Twelve, bar none, not even a question. Like they would be teams that you add where you actually kind of bolster your profile. If they go to the Big Ten or whatever they decide to do, let's say they're off the table, uh, there was the other four that have been talked about, you know, quite a bit in in terms of who could potentially join the Big Twelve, and that's Utah. That's Colorado, that's the two Arizona schools. Uh, Utah, the best of those four, and it's not even really close in my opinion as far as brand and, and size goes. I'm not thrilled about the Arizona schools. I've always brought them up because it just seems like it would be logical. Just region, and I know regions don't matter anymore, but just in terms of like closer teams and travel and things like that and teams that have a bit of a brand, so to speak, their brands are definitely not great right now basketball for Arizona is but still. Arizona basketball like, and outside of that everything else is just kind of yeah so I, I could kind of take or leave the Arizona schools on obvious I mean honestly because I don't know how much they add but if you're trying to just grow and whatever and look to the future uh the Phoenix market and what have you that all that all makes sense um and then Colorado is just you know a former big 12 school um I don't know how much interest people actually have in them but it's a name and it's a former big 12 school and it's Denver so to speak so that's kind of where you are it's those four that seem like the kind of the layup of of probably happening as of right now and then potentially also Oregon and Washington if you had to choose between the two moves Oregon Washington would be your first move yeah and that's the one that would be huge and that's going to be kind of the key to what you're talking about because Mm -hmm. you know they can add the other four and that's fine but then they're still kind of a weakling compared to the other two. You had Oregon and Washington. They're still kind of a weakling compared to the other two, but a little less of a weakling just because those two brands are better than everything else that they've got at the moment. Right,
1: and I think the bigger thing is you've increased the gap between yourself and the ACC drastically. Like, you've put yourself in a much better position than the ACC is in. Now, if you get all six, you're really moving much closer towards being a potential suitor for super conference. I mean, we'll see if people view it that way. I don't know if they will, because right now it all seems like Big Ten SEC, but you never know. You never know. And that's, I think, the biggest thing right now is that there's really just a lot of people who don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. So it's best to kind of put yourself in a position where even if you don't know what's going to happen, you're in a situation where you could be better than you were the day before.
0: And you also have to be careful of not just doing what settles things right now. And you've got to do the things that are the best for five and 10 years down yeah. the road. Cause I guarantee you that's what the sec and big 10 have been doing all along. They're not just like, let's go grab Rutgers for just the the kick of New York real quick. No, that was a move that like is paying off now, yeah. you know, years and years later that New York market and, um, you know, we can delve into all the little chess moves that have been made, but clearly a lot have been made, and some we noticed at the time and some we didn't, but, you know, there's been some some plotting and some thinking going on, and that's what the Big 12 needs to do right now in this position of being able to to maybe be in a position of strength and be the one making some choices. You know, make the right decisions for right now, but also make the right decisions that if you really want this to be a conference under Brett Yormark in five years, ten years, and not have to go through the same thing again, in another few years, um, the decisions right now are going to be massively important. So, uh, do you like? I mean, obviously, you'd be on board with Oregon, Washington, but do you like the full six? If they were to go that direction, it sounds like you do. I, I think that they
1: probably have to. Okay. I don't think that you can just add Oregon and Washington. Like, I don't think it would make sense for them if you don't have more teams that are out west. If that,
0: kind yeah, of I'd be, I'd add Utah too. I'd add BYU, Oregon, Washington um and utah and i have to add one more to get even unless you don't care about i mean having the even number um i don't so much care about that i i I think it's more of like that that would be my west contingent um and you know i i get the whole even thing but i'm just not like super hot on the others but yeah if you want to just throw colorado in there to give you an even number that's fine i
1: think if you get oregon i'm cool with taking six because they're yeah. the one that like you need in this. My only concern, and this is kind of what we talk about, if something does happen to the ACC, you would have rather had at least two more spots that you could add some teams that kind of fit in better with Cincy and West Virginia. And that's what I mean. You got to right. be
0: careful. You don't just go grab everything that's yeah. available. But
1: if Oregon is in that deal, I think you got to. And if and if you can't get Oregon and Washington, then I'm fine just taking the four, and then you still have a couple spots open for if something does happen for the ACC.
0: So reports are that the Big 12 is pursuing those six. Reports are that the Pac-12 is entering an exclusive 30-day negotiating window with uh, Fox and ESPN. And then there's the time afterwards where they can negotiate with other bidders. But that's their kind of position of trying to come off with some strength of like, oh, we're entering negotiations to kind of get the lay of the land and I'm sure be able to communicate with their schools and what's going on. But I just can't imagine that it's going to go well for them. Uh, I mean, (laughs) how could it? Uh, yeah, you want us to pay you how much money? And you just lost USC and UCLA, and you yeah. could be losing, like, six more schools. Uh, we'll give you a couple million bucks, but we're not going to – I mean, obviously more than that, but um, – Yeah, the pac is done. Unless would, they add it seems the Big like 12 it. schools, which I don't see – right. The
1: Big 12's been so solidified over the last year that I don't see them leaving. I, I just don't see it happening when they have all the leverage and all the power. I think the Pac-12's toast. I think the next domino is kind of Notre Dame, which every single conference should be work, reaching out to Notre Dame. Even the Big 12. And I know it's they're not going to get Notre Dame. I understand that. But if you have a deal that could possibly intrigue them, you got to put it on the table. That's a huge, huge, huge brand. And one that would pretty much save the Big 12 and assure them a spot as a super conference. Again, Not likely, but every conference should be doing it. Um, And then on the flip side, I think if Notre Dame does go to the Big Ten, my guess would be that Stanford would be an intriguing option for them. That might be in their contract, that they want Stanford in the Big Ten as well, or maybe in Oregon. And then the Big 12 just gets to keep picking, keep picking what schools they want to add.
0: Yeah, but uh, maybe Stanford says, screw this. This isn't worth all the trouble with NIL and all this other jazz of trying to be in the Big Ten. Like, we're an academic school and we'll compete, you know, but we're just not going to –
1: it's money, though. Like, I,
0: No, I understand yeah. it's money, but like the Big Ten's not just leaving the door open for anybody. Right. It, it, I,
1: I think they'd have to basically be like, Notre Dame would have to say, yeah, we'll go, yeah. but we want Stanford to come,
0: too. Yeah, like that would yeah. be their only thing. Stanford's not really in a big position of power here, yeah, nor, nor are many schools. Really, only Notre Dame is at the moment. And then the ACC schools, the four or five of those that would have you know, some sway. But again, contractually it appears they're locked down for the foreseeable future, but that's the big scuttlebutt is if that's not the next shoe to drop. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to consider. There's, uh, you know, we could spend the whole podcast going over scenarios. There's, you know, you're not only wondering what the Pac-12 is doing, but if you're the Big 12, you're looking at the ACC very closely and saying, okay, well, if their schools suddenly bolt and, you know, Virginia and Duke and NC State and, you know, those schools are all remaining – Who do we pluck from there? Or do they try to pluck us? You know, Baylor is a basketball school in the ACC. Makes sense. So, who the heck knows, man. So, Just to be clear, though, you would take the six if Oregon is in that, right? If if I had to take the whole six because Oregon and Washington are in there, then, yeah, I'll take all six. But if I had my preference, I would take Oregon and Washington, and then I would probably take Utah and colorado. i guess colorado. i would rather have
1: arizona than colorado
0: one but. of one of the other not arizona state but one no, of the no. other two because I'm, I'm not you know i'm not really thrilled of taking all of them but yeah. if that's what you have to do but yeah don't fill I, up on your appetizer when the main course in the acc could be available pretty soon I too. Agree. i agree so
1: i think we're, we're in agreement that the yeah. top four oregon washington arizona and colorado right no Those utah the, i'm sorry utah and arizona or do you think Colorado's ahead of Arizona?
0: Don't care about that okay. last spot, just not Arizona State.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I'm I think that's fair enough. I, I just think it's. I, I love that the Big Twelve is already involved in these conversations and that they're being aggressive and clearly they're not taking the approach of oh we'll just sit back and relax and see what happens. They're going out being aggressive and now, um, they could really kind of put the final dagger in the Pac-12. It could absolutely happen within the next you know week or two.
0: Yeah, so the Pac-12 is going to be in media rights negotiations. We'll learn something from that, I am sure, and kind of get a a hint of what their values being viewed at and, like, what it means with the schools involved. We know the Big 12 is in negotiations with at least a handful of those school, schools, it appears. I mean, um, anything could break at really any time now, and everybody's just waiting on Notre Dame. Like, that's sort of where we are. So having said all this, Grayson, the Big 12 is in flux again. Uh, but could actually be in a position of power. Um, The L.A. schools are now going to be in the Big Ten, so the super conferences are taking shape. And, yes, the the hope for the Big 12 is to somehow be, like, a third-wheel super conference, although no matter what you add outside of somehow getting Notre Dame, which seems nearly impossible – Um, because like the SC and big 10 are fighting to get them much less the big 12. Um, but that would be like your life raft of all life rafts, but really like low percentage there that that were to happen. But outside of getting them and like some super combination of the ACC and all that coming together, they're going to be like the lightweight of the three. Um, but maybe the best of the rest conference is what you can be, but totally fine with that though. That's fine. But what does this all mean for Baylor football, Baylor athletics, this great recruiting class they're building, um, in this NIL world where you're already fighting uphill battle versus big schools anyways. And now you've got two super conferences. They're going to be making a hundred million dollars per school. They can spend all that on NIL and will, um, you know, you're already kind of at a disadvantage in some ways anyways because of your size, because of just all these factors that you can't really fix overnight. How does all this change anything if it changes anything for Baylor football, Baylor athletics in your mind?
1: Yeah, you know, to me, it, it really doesn't. I, I think the Big 12 was always viewed as kind of being on the outside looking in. And yet I think they're just getting better. They're getting better and better, and I think they're going to go out and add more schools, and I think that's going to continue to help the image of the of the Big 12 and show even more stability. And the thing of it is, as long as Baylor is continuing to be good and relevant at these sports, I don't see why any kid would want to go to a Vanderbilt and lose all the time or go to you know those mid-level South Carolina. Like, why? You're just going to go and lose. That doesn't make any sense that you'd want to go do that. Now, I know NIL plays a role, sure. Um, but I do think the Big 12 is still in a great spot, especially if you're at the top of the Big 12, which I believe Baylor still would be. And I think that's really the only thing that matters in my eyes, or the thing that could change things is if Baylor's not successful like they have been.
0: Yeah. Um, I feel good about where they are that they'd win. Like I said, in my, it's just kind of hard to wrap your head and, and get all it's easier to talk about this stuff because it just rolls yeah. off the tongue rather than try to like write it because sure. it's just confusing as all get out. But. They try to say and go back and go, like, they're going to be fine wherever they are because, like, either you get that magical Cinderella invite to the top two and you're going to be making $100 million a year and they're already behind the eight ball in a lot of ways and they're still competing with the best brands. So, yeah, give them an even playing field of $100 million or, you know, and others are still making even more through whatever else. But give them hundred million like Vanderbilt's going to get and USC's going to get and Baylor's going to be right in the mix along with everybody um, because they already are. Keep them in the Big Twelve, where you know it's not going to be a hundred million, but you're going to be competing against whoever your Oregon's, perhaps or for sure your you know your Oak States and, and those teams all appear to be sticking around the Big Twelve. They're going to compete and be just fine because they already do that, and you know they're they're going to be, if anything, I think one of the jewels of the new conference, whatever it looks like, no matter who gets added to it or not. So I feel good about it, but man, certainly start to look at just what shaky ground the Big Twelve was already on. They're introducing a new commissioner, and before he's even on the job, here's this seismic movement. But it does make you wonder, like, you know, if they have, and we're going to talk about some commits here, um, Indiana suddenly has a lot of money to just throw around at a guy because of NIL and because of new TV contracts. And that's where I could see being in the Big 12 being disadvantageous because, yes, they're going to pull guys who just believe in what they're doing and all that, but – you know, there's going to be a lot of cash being flashed around by schools who otherwise wouldn't be able to flash it around. And maybe that's tempting, um, but that's where I guess your culture's just got to win out ultimately. And, and right now for them, their culture's, you know, picking a lot of wins up for them. Yeah.
1: And I think that's the key is they got to continue to win with that culture. And I, I still, again, I, I'm not too concerned about the Indianas or the Vanderbilts. It, it's going to be tougher to win the battles against Ohio State and, and those schools. Um, UT you know, and M U T. for sure. Yeah. Uh, A&M, UT. Yeah, for sure. But, um, But they've always lost recruits to those schools for the most part. So I don't think that really changes anything. I mean, you know, in general, they just need to be better than the other schools in Texas. And, you know, they can't allow Houston to catch up. They can't allow TCU to catch up. Um, They got to continue to win. And that's the biggest thing. And I think the culture that Dave Aranda and Scott Drew have make that very possible, and I, I'm just not—I'm not too worried about. it. I actually think they're in a better position. Like I said at the beginning, if they add these schools from the Pac-12, I think they're in a great spot to still be relevant going forward.
0: That was my concern, though, is when you started to see all this shuffling and all. Like Friday, you know, afternoon, everybody's speculating on what's going to go on. And you start to see, well, Big Ten, Houston, Big Ten, TCU. You know, just looking at TV markets as a reason to project them there. And if you are Baylor, this is where I do get concern concern somewhat. I would take them toe-to-toe with every single program in Texas, but there does come a point where you don't know what TV network execs think, and they are small, mm-hmm. and they aren't a small town in comparison. Small towns are not so much of a big deal because that's most of college athletics is small towns, but when you do start to talk about, okay, well, we're coming down to a decision. It's between Waco, Houston, and Fort Worth. Like, yeah. uh-oh, <laughs> like, that's not going to bode well. So there are a couple things working against them, but, yeah, top to bottom – put them on an even playing field or just even give them a slight incline versus everybody else. And they're going to thrive and they're going to find a way with this current leadership. And that's what I do ultimately feel good about. So uh, they need to find a way to, to raise their profile and grow the brand some more. And I know they're busy at that, but I think this is even more of a sign of like, they really got to worry about growth and just continuing that and um, just being the best they can be. But uh yeah, interesting times to say the least. So by the time you listen to this, Notre Dame could be in a conference and uh, the Pac-12 could be in the Big 12, basically. Yeah. That's where we are right now. But
1: And the ACC could lose their grain of ride steel or something. Yeah, and
0: Clemson <laughs> could be headed to the SEC and like all sorts of different things could happen. But uh, it's fascinating and it's interesting that the Big 12's involved, but this is not quite Oklahoma-Texas last summer all the way. Uh, but it does affect the Bears and – you know, their Big 12 brethren and, and many others, uh, no doubt about it. And you just got to feel good that they've got the leadership they've got right now and, and hope that uh, that continues on in that direction. So we'll see. Um, but the Big 12 does appear to be in at least some type of position of strength. So, Grayson, uh, let's get into what was yet another successful recruiting weekend for the Bears. Uh, and it was capped off by a massive commit on July the 4th. Uh, it was, uh, you know, a weekend where... I mean, let's face it, they have been on this incredible roll uh, where the entire, I guess, last month or so has just been every weekend a new batch of commits, a new batch of commits. And uh, they are now up to 22 total commits, and it is not even July, I mean, not even mid-July. It's not even Big 12 Media Days just yet, but uh, three new ones coming in since the last time we talked. We talked about DK Kalu uh, last week, but uh, three more since then. And the biggest one coming yesterday, let's start off with the big prize, Isaiah Robinson, big offensive lineman out of Arlington, Um, incredible player, four-star ranked guy, bunch of offers. Uh, He gives his pledge, and that was the fireworks Baylor football was looking for yesterday uh, he follows a weekend where another two pledges came in, but uh, obviously the, the crown jewel of this past weekend. Your thoughts on Isaiah Robinson and the way this O-line class has been coming together.
1: Yeah, so to per- put in perspective, he is, if he signs with Baylor and keeps his ranking, which he should, uh, he would be the highest ranked offensive lineman Baylor has ever signed in its entire history, which is, I mean, that that's very impressive. You look at his offer list and you kind of understand why Arkansas, Auburn, Uh, Florida State, Miami, LSU, Ole Miss, Texas, Texas A&M, USC, offers from really everyone, and it simply came down to, for him, Cal and Baylor at the end, and... Um, A big part of his recruitment was about theater arts. He's big into theater arts, and that's been very important to him and was very important throughout his process. And Baylor showed him enough on his trip that he felt good about that. And then the family environment, along with Coach Mateos, Eric Mateos, just, I mean, it it was a perfect fit for Isaiah Robinson. He actually made this decision last week but didn't post anything till July 4th. So I'm really happy that they were able to land him. He's about 6'7", 280, uh, has an 84-inch wingspan, so a plus five there. And it's just a really special talent. And I think eventually he can mold into an all-conference type tackle prospect, which Baylor desperately needs in this class. They need tackles, and they got two of them over the last uh, week.
0: Yeah, uh, Robinson a big get for this uh, for this class, for this team, for this program. And uh, you mentioned two uh, offensive linemen over the last week, one of those other commits, uh, Calvin Clements, uh, going out of state. They've done that a little bit in this class. They've gone Louisiana. They've gone Georgia. They've gone Arizona. Arizona. Uh, but now they're they're also going out to the Midwest. They're going out to Kansas and uh, Lawrence. I mean, the home of the Jayhawks to grab Calvin Clements.
1: Yeah, 6'7", 275-pound prospect. Chose, chose Baylor over Kansas and Kansas State, two local teams. He also had offers
0: from Nebraska, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. And K-State, a team that it will not be involved in whatever the – like if things shift dramatically, that's a team that, you know, they're just, they're they're totally out of it. They don't even get to have the fun conversations really. Yeah, definitely not. Um, But for Calvin, this is
1: one that I, I think you watch his tape and you go, man, he fits the wide zone scheme really, really well. And I think with adding him and Isaiah Robinson, they have two guys who could potentially be left tackle prospects in the future. Both could definitely play right tackle as well. Um, And I think Calvin is one of the more underrated guys that they do have committed in this uh, cycle. I just love his film. I think he matches the scheme perfectly and is a guy who's
0: athletic enough to really get it done in Baylor's offense. And uh, there was one more as a... Punter was the direction that Baylor would also go last week. That's certainly going to drag the average down a little bit. It's always a bummer when you have to get a specialist. No disrespect to the kids, but they're never rated usually over a two-star. And so, it always drags down your class average. Uh, So, for those who care about such a thing, that, uh, that happens. But... Uh, you'd rather have a good one than not have one, that's for sure. And Baylor's punter came into play a lot last year and actually helped them win a Big 12 title. So Palmer Williams, again, out of state, uh, North Carolina, uh, Moxville, to be exact, is where Palmer Williams uh, comes from, and uh, he's going to be heading to Baylor. So Yeah,
1: yeah another pickup. They offered him, and that kind of made you go, okay, so they clearly want a specialist mm-hmm. in this class. They're going to try to get one. And uh, clearly he was the guy they had their eye on after he – performed at camp he actually came to a camp on i believe june 25th um so the most recent one and punted really well they decided to offer him and then he committed uh just 10 days later so he's a guy who definitely fits the mold of what they're looking for and a guy who i think uh clearly if he impressed them enough to offer him then he clearly has a leg
0: that is talented enough to make an impact on this roster so now up to uh 20 plus commits and um just uh amazing to see that they've already grown as much as they have. So at 22, let's reset the table a little bit here in July the 5th as we record this. A uh, few months to go. They got to play defense. We've talked about that, about that before, but uh, still also have the question of Austin Nova Sad Elite 11 was this past week. Uh, he had a good showing. Jackson Arnold, the Oklahoma commit, ends up being the, the crown jewel or the, the top place getter, uh, the top Elite 11 guy uh, when all was said and done. But Uh, Nova said and your thoughts from elite 11 and then how that ultimately plays into where you kind of are with him and what that means for just the class now being at 22 commits. Yeah. So I think the
1: most interesting part was Arch Manning committed to Texas. He did not, He did not compete at the Elite 11. Jackson Arnold won Elite 11 MVP. He's committed to Oklahoma. J.J. Cole was probably the biggest surprise, and he's committed to Iowa State. And then Austin Novus had also made the final Elite 11 and was basically a top five guy the entire time he was there. That's an impressive, impressive list for the Big 12 uh, going into next season, an impressive quarterback recruiting class for the conference. So I just wanted to start there, really impressed by – the conference and how they evaluated the quarterback position. Austin performed well. You know, he was a top five guy pretty much from the moment he got there. I think he raised some eyebrows with just how well he played. And I think a lot of people understood why Texas A&M and Ohio State have really started to make him a priority. You know, Notre Dame was looking at him. Florida was looking at him. There's a lot of schools that have been kind of looking around and searching. But I think for Austin, it it definitely seems like, you know, Baylor, Ohio State, Texas A&M are the three that he kind of has on his radar as he's nearing a decision. I think Baylor and Ohio State have kind of separated themselves a little bit. At least that's the feel that I'm getting. Um, And I still feel good about Baylor's chances of continuing to secure his commitment and eventually securing his signing uh, at the end of the year. And so that's kind of where I'm at. I feel like he's going to be a Bear. I think that Baylor's in a great position. Their relationships have really stood out to him. And ultimately, I think they just have more to sell culturally and as a fit to Austin than the other schools that he has. So where are we at now? 22 commits. Uh, How much more are they looking at? Yeah, you know, The way that I'm looking at is I think they got room for one more defensive lineman, which seems like Brendan Bett or Tadarius Collins or probably one of those guys will likely be in this class. And then I think, you know, Baylor's in a great spot with Trey Wilson, uh, the Jack slash defensive line, defensive end prospect out of Lakeview Centennial. Those are kind of the three guys that I have my eye on right now. Um, And then I think they'll keep a little bit of room for maybe later in the cycle to go out and add a couple more guys, maybe a wide receiver, um, maybe look to add, you know, one of those defense alignment, another nose tackle potentially late. Uh, So I'm kind of sitting here going maybe 25, maybe 27, somewhere in there. I think they still have a little bit of room left just based on their offers and kind of where things are trending right now.
0: All right, so that's where we are, and if you've uh, been a premium member for a while now, you've seen this flurry of commitments, and this is not always how it goes down, but it's just been a very uh, effective month and successful month, and so hopefully you've enjoyed that if you've been able to kind of keep up with it as a a premium member, but uh, yeah, it's been like a, a flood of just commit after commit, weekend after weekend, so... Uh, that's kind of where we are with football. The whole world's on fire, and nobody knows exactly where anybody's playing outside of the SEC and the Big Ten, uh, you know, post-2024, really. Uh, just in the last few minutes we've been talking, I've seen, you know, uh, Pac-12 writers talking about how George Kleofkoff's kicking butt behind the scenes. I have no idea what he's doing there. Um, we got the negotiations apparently starting. You got the Big 12 looking to poach. You got the ACC as a secret factor here. It's It's all going wild, so we've tried to kind of cover that as best we can, but obviously the radio show and then however many future editions of this show, plus the message board, of course, that's where a lot of this the scuttlebutt's going to continue on. Um, but it all is very... Uh, fascinating so we'll see how that that shakes out so uh, elsewhere uh, basketball's got the global jam that they're starting representing team usa so that'll be cool to kind of see although we know they're not going to be like the full version of next year's team because of just injuries and everything else like that but uh, if you're a baylor basketball fan a a short glimpse into next year's squad uh, starting with global jam today so that'll be cool to check out and um, is there anything else going on i don't
1: think so i think I'm trying to think, baseball, a couple new hires, but nothing
0: too worthy of note. Everything got it kind of got washed away with realignment talk at the yeah. end of the week. That kind of took precedent because that's the whole future that everybody's now suddenly talking about. And we definitely have some of those questions uh, to delve further into realignment in the mailbag. Do you want to go and get into that? Uh, I think it. that we've hit pretty much everything else. Yeah, so, let's do it. Start off with Wacko for Waco. Why did Justin DeLeon decommit? I didn't see a tweet or any other info that perhaps he was considering a new school or wanted to reopen his recruitment. There was one defection, and I saved it because I knew this was in the mailbag, but Justin DeLeon, offensive lineman, did decommit this past week, and I didn't notice anything too much after that, Yeah, he tweeted it,
1: and then um, he deleted the tweet, but I do believe he decommitted from the class. It's not really necessarily considering a new school or reopening anything. I just think, you know... It's one of those situations where he's going to need a little bit of time to figure out his stuff and then figure out, you know, what the next step of the process is with Baylor and potentially other schools.
0: Any chance Jalen Broxton commits to Baylor since he decommitted from Michigan
1: State? No, they're out. Okay. They uh, I texted him this week. I mean, we text quite a bit, but they're out. They're out of the race for him.
0: Scotty be the Baylor King. Thank you, Wacko. Who's your Mount Rushmore for Baylor football players since the 2012 season? Bryce Petty, Corey Coleman, um i guess rg3 doesn't count because no. it's 2012 okay yeah, yeah. he's
1: 2011 so yeah i'd say those two Corey and bryce are definitely on it for me um petrie petrie i think would be on it and then it's kind of your decision between probably i'd probably go spencer drango would probably be the fourth you know, your options are kind of like, you know, Denzel Mims. Uh, it's a
0: lot of dudes on the same level,
1: honestly. James Lynch. James Lynch yeah. would definitely be a candidate. Uh, Terrell Bernard would be a candidate. Um, but I think I'd probably go Drango. So, Petty, Coleman, Drango, Petrie is kind of where. Yeah. Uh, if we're doing Although, 2012. Xavier Howard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean.
0: Although he was always a better pro than he was a Baylor player, you know, at least the way he is sort of viewed. But yeah, I think those three are sort of automatic. And I think, yeah, you could pick any number of guys. Like I'm sure somebody out there would say Denzel Mims or, you know, just anybody, quite frankly. Um, Drango's the only
1: unanimous first team, all all American twice. Yeah. Yeah, He's one of like three in the entire program history.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's, he seems to fit the bill. So if somebody wants to put him there, like I wouldn't argue too much about it. Um, but, yeah, since 2012, I think that's a pretty safe group. But, yeah, Petty for sure. I would be interested to see where Seth Russell would have landed if he didn't get yeah. injured as much as he did. But, yeah, Petty for sure and Coleman for sure. And then who was the other one we just uh, said? Petrie and Drango. Yeah, Petrie, yeah you got to have somebody off this recent right. team, I feel like. And Petrie is the lead candidate there. And then, yeah, I mean, Drango and, and really that spot or Petrie's spot, whatever, could be argued about for eternity. But – that seems like a pretty solid four to cover both sides of the ball as well. Uh, Scotty also asks, if there's a super conference or conferences with 18 or more in the future, how the conference tournaments for non-football sports will be done? I admit that I thought about brackets, but playing more than four games for at least one day will be hard, especially if there is rain delay or lightning delay for the outdoor sports. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually
1: thinking a lot of these club sports are actually going to be in huge trouble um i'm not sure how much money is going to be put into those i actually don't even think the move from usc and ucla i don't even know if that includes all the club sports i know it includes football
0: and basketball oh i'm positive it does it does i mean that's that's you know i think that's not as much of the reason or main reason but that's part of the appeal is that you're now going to get a huge uptick in your olympic sports success with those schools coming in i mean you're Gonna have to be paying for all those sports to travel. You're gonna get a hundred million dollars alone off a TV contract, so you're not gonna be sweating for money, pal. That's the last of your worries. Is is Olympic sport money at this point? Yeah,
1: I'm just I'm not sure where things are gonna fall with
0: that. I just know football and
1: basketball are ruling the day.
0: UCLA is not gonna stop doing what they've been successful at for For decades. I mean, and and USC to a lesser extent, but I mean that's that's their bread and butter. So, yeah, I don't see UCLA suddenly getting out of swimming and gymnastics and all these, you know, sports that they've been putting Olympians in for three oh, years.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I just am saying I don't know if the emphasis will be as focused on that in the Big Ten. Could be totally yeah. wrong. We'll see what happens in the future. I just think the future is not great for those sports because they're kind of getting overlooked. And if NIL happens, then who knows if, you know— players will be getting paid by schools, and then they don't have to worry about, you know, kind of covering all their bases with Title IX and other things like that. Who knows? Yeah. It, it's really confusing. As far as a bracket goes, you know, I bet some teams will get left out of the bracket. I don't know if every team will have an opportunity to win their conference tournaments. kind of like, um, you know, some conferences already do that, right? You know, the Big 12 in baseball does that. So I think the other conferences probably would as well, shorten the shorten the tournament a little bit.
0: Yeah, uh, I think, Scotty, honestly, uh, nobody cares about that right now because they are trying to figure out, like, what football looks like. And I don't don't mean that negatively, but I I think that's, like, one of the last thoughts. If you really think about the realignment, what happens to the Olympic sports, I think is so far in the back of people's concerns because they're so worried about football – and basketball, and just where people are. So, I, to answer your question, I don't think anybody has a good grasp of what exactly is going on there. I don't think anybody has a great clue of what exactly is going to go on with the non with the the non revenue sports. And I know you're a huge fan of them. I know a ton of people are, and I am to uh, probably not the extent that you are, but I definitely don't want to see them go away. And that's been long one of my concerns. Is like. What are we kind of doing to all the the rest of these sports that sort of thrive on this money? Well, the good news for those those sports is, like I was saying, $100 million is about to come in every year thanks to football. So they're not going to have to worry about money the same way they used to. But interest level, travel, all of those types of things, like that's what's going to have to be figured out at a later date. Because, yeah, I don't know how you explain Stanford tennis or or USC tennis going to Rutgers on a Tuesday. Um, but that's, I know with basketball, they'd
1: schedule it to where you go to Rutgers and then you play kind of the schools around there for a couple days. But I mean that, that's and a people wonder time. about travel
0: and all that, but again, private flights now because right. you're making a hundred million plus dollars so yeah. you can have private travel. So that will all be a little bit more well taken care of, but it's still going to be a nightmare. And so to answer your question, I mean, I think that's not ready to be answered just yet. Um, but that's one of those like almost good problems to have is we got so many teams so spread out with How are we going to do this? So we'll see, but it will be interesting. Uh, The bare minimum, how does this summer's realignment news affect Baylor recruiting, if at all? I don't
1: think it does really at all. They're still in the same position they were in, except they're even more secure as a conference in my eyes. Now, like Craig said, maybe the Big Ten or SEC will be more appealing to some recruits. But, I, I again, I don't think it really impacts Baylor quite yet
0: yeah I mean I was really worried initially and then kind of settled down that thought throughout the weekend and I'm kind of where Grayson is right now but I'm still a little leery of, of some of these schools that will have big affiliations and big money and you just wonder how that comes into play uh, ultimately for the have-nots who can't quite compete with that moving forward uh, that JD 90 uh, when does fall camp start uh, I believe usually it's the first Thursday in August right is when they get
1: their first start going so I think that's August 4th is when it technically starts but i don't think the real practices really officially begin until that monday right isn't that kind of how they something around there yeah something weird like that but i would say august 4th would be the tentative date that i would guess
0: yeah it'll be it'll be i don't have an official date they haven't released anything officially but it'll be somewhere around that time frame yeah late july early august you can start to expect and i would think maybe even dave aranda should have a date you know ready to go for us at Big 12 Media Days. That would be mm-hmm. nice. So we'll see that in uh, less than two weeks. Be out in Dallas for Big 12 Media Days and should get a lot of information there. Uh, Yo, Jake. Okay, let's hear y'all's thoughts on the Pac-12 resurgence, Big 12 demise, and how the Big 10 blindsided the SEC. Actually curious if you have thoughts on the new Big 12 Commission. Yeah, I
1: mean, I mean, we've talked about it. I feel like you know we talked about it at the beginning of the show, and I I think I'm still in the same spot. I I think there's obviously the Pac-12 is in trouble in my eyes. I think the Big 12 is actually in a better position than the Pac-12, and I think the Big Ten kind of funny um, that they blindsided the SEC a little bit, even though I think the SEC is smart enough to know this was coming. Like this isn't really a surprise; they knew other. Other conferences were going to try to become super conferences and they know the Big 10 is their biggest threat. And everybody
0: knew the Pac-12 was on shaky legs
1: anyways. For sure. Everyone thought the school the the conferences that were going to get poached were going to be the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Pac- Big 12 already got poached, you know, uh, a year ago and now it was kind of the Pac-12's turn and like I've said, I think it's going to be the ACC's turn pretty soon to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, we kind of covered it like Grayson said. Uh, I do think the Big 12 is going to be better off than the Pac-12 when all the, the dust settles and should have some Pac-12 teams now claiming to be Big 12 teams. I think, you know, the SEC probably saw it somewhat coming more than we probably realized. I don't think they were totally caught off guard, but I think that they did go, whoa all right then, and now they're probably in a tug of war for Notre Dame and trying to make anything happen there that they can. And, and yeah, now getting the risk board out and trying to figure out what their next big move is going to be. And probably, uh, like the Big Ten, trying to figure out what they can do with these ACC teams and how quickly they can get them into the fold, if at all possible. So I think there's a lot of you know, SEC generals and Big Ten generals, so to speak, that are all around the war room right now trying to figure out and plotting their next moves. But, yeah, pretty massive – decision made and move made by the Big Ten. But uh, on the new commission, I don't know much about him. I was a little leery at first, just kind of hearing his background, but I get it. And, you know, the timing of the announcement, just a couple of days before this all happens, you know, I don't think is any coincidence. Um, And so we'll see if he's he's good at getting TV deals. That's really what's important because that's going to be a big part of the Big 12 moving forward. So let's see. Um, if that's not a strength of his, and, and hopefully it is. But outside of that, I really don't have a lot of thoughts because I don't know much about the guy, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. When I saw his name, I was like, huh? Who? <laughs> I thought the same thing with Matt though, and that turned out okay in the long run. And then, you know, uh, there's also plenty of people who didn't feel that way and felt the opposite way, and I'm sure they feel that way about Brett Yormark. But I'm in, I'm in wait-and-see mode. Mikey, uh, four questions coming in hot. Who's the best, highest ranked O lineman currently on the roster coming out of high school? So, high, I guess I'll just do highest ranked is Connor Galvin, followed very, very
1: closely composite ranking wise with uh, George Maya. Um, so I think Galvin was .8928, and Maya is .8926 in their ranking. So those are the two highest ranked guys according to composite
0: uh baylor's top 10 players entering fall camp we need Ooh. to narrow this down a little bit because we got a lot of other questions I, I, to get to
1: yeah so i mean the obvious i think to me ben sims um is one connor galvin uh khalil keith um uh siaki ika gabe hall uh that's five Who am i missing here Craig, help me out. I'm at five. I mean, oh, i squirrel. squirrel. Squirrel, yeah. yeah. That, that gets you to six. Uh, Blake Shapen. Blake Shapen, that's seven. Al Walcott gets sure. You to eight. <laughs> Put him in there. And then Dylan Doyle gets you to nine. So we got one more spot left. And I think I've reached kind of everyone that I wanted to say. So my, uh, my last spot is going to go
0: to... Did you say Ben Sims already? Yeah. Okay.
1: I think my last spot's going to go to kind of hedge my bet a little bit it's going to go to josh white okay LSU yeah that's transfer. a
0: bit off the radar um yeah i mean most of those uh, all those that's fine I, I, we got a bunch of questions to answer so um those all seem to fit and you could probably switch around a couple of them for add a couple Jacob of other, Gall, yeah, or or add, yeah, yeah yeah, some offensive line, grant miller or something if you want tj franklin right yeah, for sure um but yeah i mean they've they've got more than 10 to choose from and that's good news because there's some schools that Barely carve out a top five, probably. Uh, any rumors of alt uniforms for the football team? I've heard nothing in regards to that. Me neither.
1: Not yet. Outside of Twitter fans hoping for you yeah. know, the anthracite, right?
0: Yeah, I, that seems to remain popular for a certain segment, and um, you know, but nothing to, to report there. What are Baylor's chances of getting into a new conference that only includes the best of the Big Twelve, Pac twelve, and ACC? Well, I mean, chances I wouldn't put a percentage on it because, I, again, the ACC is locked down. So that that part of the equation, people really need to get a little bit more clarity on that before just thinking that there's teams are going to be moving around willy-nilly. Um, they've got a contract through 2036. So until something changes there, the odds are relatively slim unless the ACC is super proactive and decides, like, let's gather all we can and solidify ourselves in the future. So, I don't know, 25% odds – Um, The Big 12 and Pac-12 certainly look like they're going to be doing similar to what you're suggesting, as we've talked about. But the ACC is sort of the wild card. So I'll say, you know, whatever that means, odds-wise, 25%. Yeah, I'll probably
1: go... I mean, are we including if the Big 12 absorbs six teams from the Pac-12 and then stays I mean, I think the Big 12, or is it like, oh, they're forming a brand-new
0: conference? I don't care. Okay. <laughs> Whatever.
1: Because if it's forming a brand-new conference, I'd put that at 5%. But if it's the Big 12 absorbing schools, yeah, yeah I'd put that probably more at, like, 75%,
0: 80%. Yeah, I think we're splitting hairs. It's the same thing, ultimately. Yeah. It's just, you know, them all coming together. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, Pretty good odds. I mean, the Big Twelve and Pac-12, yeah. yeah. And, and then again, we'll see with the ACC. They're not available right now. Uh, thank you, Mikey Brown Bear. Regarding realignment, is Baylor just along for the ride? Is there anything that could be done to make the brand valuable to the Super Conference model? Just keep winning. That's the only thing they can do. It's just keep winning,
1: upgrading facilities, and continuing to be good academically. That I mean, that's pretty much all they can do right now
0: if you listen to mac Rhodes, he definitely was tipped off that something was going on because you can hear the concern in his voice and it was very interesting it stuck with me and these guys can vouch i was saying something in studio like the day before all this broke i said man mac roads's interview is just really weird mm-hmm. garrett right you remember me saying that so it was really weird like the next day this all popped and i was like ah it all made sense to me and um i just uh think that like he said We didn't know what he was really referring to at the time, but all they can do is just go be the best themselves they can be. Go sell out as many games as they can. Go have as many raucous crowds as they can. Go win as many football games as they can. Go raise as much money. I mean, anything you can do, do the very best that you can possibly do, and that's really all you can do. I mean, that's all you can do, because you're not going to grow by 20,000 people overnight. Um, You're not going to have a bigger alumni base in the next year, necessarily, or one that's going to make a difference to get you into a big conference. So, They are hurt by their size as much as anything, and um, that's going to take a while to grow. So just got to keep being really good at what you're, you know, good at and and get better at what you're not good at and just be elite all you can and hope that it's enough in the end. I mean, that's really all you can do. I mean, what else can they do? They've won a basketball national title, kicking button football. I mean, they're doing everything they can do, and you just can't. Be a And M and have a hundred thousand, you know, alumni at a snap of a finger. Right, right. That and that's yeah, that's extremely true. It, it's all you can do, right? If they had size, they would be a no-brainer. If they had this, if they had the, the audience that some of these other schools right. had, they would be a no-brainer in this but new. That's super- not gonna happen. No, it's that's just, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah you can't grow not. by fifty thousand people in two weeks. So and have
1: hundreds of thousands of alumni, more alumni. Like it just doesn't. I mean, doesn't you happen.
0: could you could turn into a diploma mill, but then that negates everything you've done academically. So I mean, and there's no tradition. Like, yeah. So yeah. there's no there's no quick fix to answer your question. All they can do is just go be the best of them that they can be and hope that in the long run that's enough and that those conferences grow to be 50, 60 total teams when all is said and done. And those scenarios, they should be in. But in a 40 or less scenario, yeah, it's not looking good. Midwest Matt, but they would dominate at that Tier 2 level, I feel like. So, you know, yeah. there's that. Midwest Matt, how much money is Grayson bet on Baylor hitting the over on football wins <laughs> for the upcoming season? Yeah, so the over unders at 8 right now. I have not bet anything on it. That's I, a good
1: good little bet. It is. I still think Baylor can get there. Their bet last year was so spicy. Five and a half was their one total a year ago. Jeez. I wish it was a little bit lower this year. That eight number is kind of my floor for this team, so it seems like a good bet. I wish it was at seven and a half, though. That'd be a home run, but no bet for me yet. Have you or do you plan to bet on any other Baylor football props? No. I. You know, I really don't think so. I mean, I, maybe – I think you could bet on the Big 12 championship again. I think that'd be a pretty decent bet. I, I still think they're going to be one of the top three teams in the conference, and I think that means they're probably going to get into the Big 12 championship. So all they got to do is win it. That's a pretty nice little
0: prop. Uh, yeah, that, that would be. Text BAM81, who is the best college quarterback Baylor football has beat? Post-2000 top three quarterback mm-hmm. opponents ever
1: played. That beat that beat term is is kind of tough. I was just going to do top three in general, which would be like Vince Young, Kyler, and probably Colt McCoy. Um, but ones that they've actually won against, I mean, you're you're thinking like a, uh, I mean, Matt Corral, he was a pretty good college quarterback. He'd probably be on the list if somewhere. You
0: count that as playing uh, what he did, he played yeah. for like a quarter.
1: But, yeah. yeah. You technically played him. Um, didn't they beat someone else in a bowl game recently, quarterback? Um Oh man, I am I'm struggling. A quarterback oh, from Vanderbilt?
0: No, and Kyle oh, Shermer. No, definitely not him. Um, uh, Blake Portals uh, didn't beat him. He was a good quarterback. Beat Will
1: Greer, yeah, right. One year. Yep. Yeah, I, I can't. Wait, I don't honestly. know, man. I'm <laughs> like, struggling. Who's man. the best
0: college quarterback they beat? Like in since 2000. I mean, Kali. The
1: the quarterbacks they beat at Texas were not good. When yeah, the them. Oklahoma
0: Trump, quarterbacks weren't even that good. Like Landry Jones, Trevor and, Knight,
1: Blake Bell. Exactly. Um, so they lost to Jalen Hurts. They lost to Kyler um at Texas. They lost to Baker. Yeah, lost to Baker every time too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough man they they have not beaten yeah. the, the upper echelon teams when they've had really really good quarterbacks now that I'm kind of looking back on it
0: I mean like Will Greer or something I mean I honestly don't know I Point mean it's trick a trick it Yeah let's we could spend oh, an hour Trevon, on this
1: Trevon Boykin is definitely on that list I think okay. that 2014
0: year he was That's something fair. special um, in a, in a less crowded podcast, questions wise, we could spend more time on this, but Diving we got a lot to him. go yeah. into. Um, so yeah, Trayvon Boykin, I mean top three quarterback opponents ever played. Um, do you have any answer to that? I think he kind of gave an answer, sort of. Oh,
1: ever ever played? That's where Vince Young, Kyler, Colt McCoy. And I yeah. think Sam Bradford has an argument to be ahead of Kyler. I just think
0: Kyler's better.
1: Just his team win is good.
0: Yeah. Uh, so interesting question. Uh, may have to revisit that at some point to really get down to the dirty on it. But um, yeah, uh, the, the, who they beat is a harder question than, than you would have thought. Cause it's been a, kind of yeah. a bunch of similar dudes. And not really super special group necessarily. And I'm sure we're forgetting somebody that will oh, be reminded of. Oh my
1: gosh. Patrick Mahomes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Patrick yeah. Mahomes. There, there yeah. is your answer to this question. Yeah uh enable or enable i'm not sure sorry uh you can correct me on how to pronounce this uh, for next time what kind of production can we expect from baylor's offense and defense this year example top 35 offense top 10 defense nationally yeah top 10 defense definitely something to expect
1: and i would probably say a top 30 offense i, I think even top 25 offense so yeah let's go top 10 defense top 25 offense i think that's a reasonable expectation for this team but also a little bit on the high side but i do think it's very reasonable
0: Okay. Yeah, that would make for a good year, one would think, uh, having a top 25 offense and a top 10 defense. But yeah, I think that that's fair. And, um, you know, if that's your expectation, that's more than fair uh, going into this year. Grizz Air, a year ago, Big 12 was on death's doorstep, and the Pac 12 refused to consider a merger. Now they're in trouble. They want us to consider a merger. I say we poached the four to six most valuable teams. What good would it do us or our new commissioner to merge with a conference that was too good for us a year ago? Do not merge. Do not take take from them that big 12 has all the leverage the only
1: way i'm okay with the merger is if they tier the payments that the pac-12 schools get paid less than the big 12 schools that's the only way that i'd be fine with
0: that yeah i don't want cal part of any new conference um oregon state washington don't state, really no care thanks. about those road trips or those teams um, and i'm sure they feel the same way if the shoe is on the other foot but yeah i mean keep it somewhat exclusive you don't have to absorb everybody and definitely it's not a 50 50 thing um You know, let their TV negotiations go poorly in front of the world here over the next few days, and let people see how far that brand has sunk. And then let those teams jump off that that drowning ship and uh, give the life preserver that is the Big 12 and be Big 12 teams. But yeah, no, no big pack or anything like that. Don't give them that that life preserver. Uh, Give the teams, not the conference, that life preserver. Um, Let's see here, Brown BW. Um, but, yeah, it is funny to think back to where they were and think about some of the Pac-12 fans I saw on social media talking that noise, and then to see them on uh, Thursday was was pretty interesting. Uh, Brown BW, okay, you know the question, Grayson. Give us some good news on our quarterback recruit.
1: I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I, I think Baylor's still in a good position right now. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. I-, I think that the Bears have separated themselves, and I do believe a decision is probably coming soon Uh, I think it could happen this week, to be honest, that he kind of solidifies things one way or another, whether that is reaffirming his commitment to Baylor or whether that means flipping to an Ohio State or uh, maybe on the outside, maybe an A&M. But I I do think it seems like Ohio State has kind of maybe moved a little bit ahead of A&M, but I still see Baylor as the favorite.
0: Bear Coog, first question, what do you think the odds are that Baylor ends up third in 2023 Big 12 recruiting and gets a top 15 or even top 20 class? Ooh, um, I think
1: the odds are pretty high they end up third. I would probably put that at about 60% chance that they end up third in the Big 12. Okay. Top 15's not happening. That, that's as, I'd put that at zero. Zero percent chance they end up in the top 15, and maybe uh, I'd probably put it at probably 25% chance they end up in the, in the top 20. That kind of all goes down to how their players are adjusted ranking-wise, but I do think top 25,
0: I, I would put that at a 75% chance, though. Second out of all of our commits, whose star composite ranking increases the most prior to the end of recruiting season? Thanks, guys. Ooh. um,
1: Okay. Whose increases the most? Well, um, composite-wise things that I kind of look at, um, I think like a guy like Matthew Klopfenstein, I think he could raise a little bit. Um, the problem is, is a lot of these guys are ranked pretty accurately and they're not going to move very much. I, I think like an Austin Nova said should see his ranking improve as on three Currently doesn't even have him as a four-star guy.
0: What is up? Their ranking is like so far off for Isaiah Robinson versus, uh, yeah, like everyone bizarre. else. Yeah, yeah. So I
1: think both of those guys, because on three, could catch up. I think those two are probably the prime candidates to rise the most, especially after Austin just competed at the Elite Eleven. It would make sense to see him see a little bit of an uptick
0: uh doc Crowell, grayson you called the grades on robinson like two to three years ago pretty on the dot who do you see making a similar rise in the future of the young guys um composite star ranking um or wait
1: is that what he's asking basically
0: i've no grayson you called the grades on robinson like two yeah. to three years ago what do you see making a similar rise in the future of the young guys?
1: I guess that's, I assume he's talking about Isaiah, and I assume he's talking about the rise of some of these other guys in the recruiting class, but, I mean, it's pretty much Austin. Like, I think Jaron Woods should be ranked higher. He's right now like a mid-three star. I think he should be more like a high three star. Um, Calvin Clements should be a little bit higher too. Uh, But as far as it actually happening, I I think Austin is probably the prime candidate just because he he had an opportunity to prove it against the top quarterbacks and did exceptionally well. Um, so he'd kind of be the one that I would bet gets the biggest ranking shift. A lot of these guys won't see much of a rankings increase because they are committed to,
0: to Baylor, unfortunately. How much has site radio traffic increased with another realignment? Um, it's been three days. We, have no, we haven't done a radio show since realignment restarted, so no idea on that just yet.
1: Yeah, not sure on the side side either, but I do know a lot of people are intrigued with everything. And I think the radio side would probably be a bigger indicator of kind of what's going on realignment-wise.
0: And we haven't had a show, so I have no idea. We had a July 4th weekend off, so we'll see starting uh, here on Tuesday. And then uh, I would imagine it it definitely provides an uptick, though, so that'll be fun. When do we rename the podcast (laughs) Squirrels Realignment Roundup? Hopefully never. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Although Squirrel, if anyone deserves a title with their name on it on this podcast, it would probably be squirrel.
0: Yeah, I'm not interested in talk. I mean, I'm interested in talking about it this way. But if it was a like a thing that we actually had to put in the title, I don't know how interesting that would really be after a while. That yeah. just that's just change for change's sake. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're we're not that we're not as far off as you would think uh, from that, given today's college sports landscape. So, Doc, appreciate it. Big Cat 2019. There's a lot of smoke right now with Big Aggie mods and writers that Austin Novacek's flipping this week. Has your confidence changed? No, it hasn't. And and a lot of Aggie riders are kind of torn.
1: I've seen some people that are writing about A and saying that they feel like they're you know sliding on the outside of his top two. Um, so I think there's a lot of different things that these that the A and riders are kind of feeling right now. I, I have not changed my confidence. I still feel like Baylor's going to be uh, is the best spot for him, and I think it's going to ultimately be the choice as of right now during our recording of this podcast. Smitty, best finish for the twenty three class. I mean, if they go out and get Brendan Bett, um, and then they add Trey Wilson as well, um, I think that's pretty much the best finish you could possibly have. And and honestly, if you kind of go look at their other offers that are out there and guys that they're in on, you know, there really aren't a ton of guys that have shown a ton of interest back in Baylor. And honestly, I like the idea of saving some spots for the transfer portal as well. Um, so I think you want to be smart with your numbers, uh, but I do think ultimately they'll probably get to 25 or 26. I could see a wide receiver being potentially a route that they go. Don't really have one in mind at the moment, and I think a lot of the guys that they could potentially offer will probably be guys who uh, rise during their senior season. I think they'll, they may be patient with another spot or two, um, and then the other guy that probably need to mention is uh, Samu out of Itasca Sita, uh, the big nose tackle. I would definitely be interested in adding another freshman nose tackle if they fit your mold really well, which he would being that he's already 400 pounds,
0: kind of be like an Apu uh, twin. Thank you, Smitty. Appreciate the question. Shooter t- uh, Tex, uh, Shooter TX, in light of the past few days, how do you feel about this segment from last week? Any apologies for the forum posters? More sure. importantly, any new thoughts on Arizona schools joining the big 12 and Posted a a segment from Sikkim 365 Radio of John Wilner, who's like Mr. Pac-12 reporter. He's uh, all over the recent news. He's the one that broke the USC-UCLA story, as a matter of fact. He was the one that broke that. Uh, But yeah, he's Mr. Pac-12, and we had him on before all this happened. And Paul, um, annoyed by the calls for expansion in the Arizona schools being brought up and, and all that, he threw it out there to John Wilner of, like, can you set everybody straight on the Arizona schools joining the Big 12 and blah, 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 and that was kind of the premise of it. So it was funny that, like, two days later, it's the realistic. Pac-12 falls apart, and, you know, the thing that he was just kind of mocking a little bit is suddenly totally realistic. And I told Paul, I said, like, that was like a – and I told Paul at the time, I said, well, I think that's more of a question people have, like, if the Pac-12 falls apart. I said yeah. that to him. And then two days later, the Pac-12 falls apart. <laughs> So, uh, my thoughts are that John Wilner probably felt really stupid if he recalled doing that interview just a couple of days before the big report that he dropped, and um, felt probably felt like he got a little bit of egg on his face, but, you know, I'm sure he got over that with the thousands and thousands of people that were paying attention to his feed, trying to get the latest scoop uh, on the Pac-12's demise, but, yeah, I mean, he came across as a bit smug and arrogant in hindsight, considering how quickly it all turned on its head, um, but, Yeah, I'm sure his his head was spinning a little bit uh, over these last few days and still is, um, trying to figure out what exactly is going to go on. But, um, no, I don't think he's going to have any apologies for the forum posters. And if you're referring to me or to somebody else who should, I I don't even know what I would have said. Or maybe Paul, I don't know. Um, But I don't think any apologies are coming, no. Um, Because I – kept open the idea of, of the Arizona schools for, well, years at, at this point. Uh talked about that. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll have a lot of thoughts, everybody, on Sikkim 365 Radio later today. As far as the Arizona schools, like I said earlier, uh, they're not my top choices. If they are part of a package deal, cool, but if not, then I could really take or leave them, honestly. Uh, Arizona basketball would be fun, but outside of that, I'm not – thrilled or enthralled by anything that either one of them offers really yeah um so yeah that's kind of where i am on it uh brown bw arrogant snobs <laughs> so i hope that was uh directed more towards the pac-12 yeah. folks uh, or john wilner hopefully uh than just calling us arrogant snobs but hey the shoe fits uh i guess that's how you see it but no uh, i think that's probably directed towards pac-12 folks and i would say in the case of cow um you know i'm not mad at john wilner i understand why he said what he said at the time and It's just, it was funny timing, though. Funny timing, given what happened just a few days later. But definitely some arrogance coming out of Pac 12 country that's uh, pretty fun to look back at right now. Yeah, they were extremely arrogant
1: a year ago when they were in the Big 12's position. Mm -hmm. And now, they look so vulnerable. I just, I don't see any way they're able to keep it all together. And I think, like we've talked about, the Big 12 needs to act quickly if they want to continue to progress and, and excel.
0: Yep. Uh, so those are the uh, mailbag questions. Got a ton of them this week. And I understand why there's a lot going on. Uh, I'm just scanning and I don't see you know anything concrete on a new move being made by the Big 12 or by the Pac-12 or anything like that. So uh, keep an eye out. And we'll have all the latest on Sikkim 365 radio uh, starting at 3 o'clock uh, today and through the rest of the week. But uh, it is... A time of uncertainty, there's no doubt about it. And for Baylor, you just got to go out there and keep doing your best. And hopefully in the end that's good enough and your brand's attractive enough and everything's going well enough to where uh, you bring some value. But uh, who the heck really knows what's going to happen. Uh, no one predicted the OU Texas thing outright uh, much less USC and UCLA's timing. I mean, that was a thought for the future, but not like last week hit happening. So I think everybody got caught off guard by that. But now I don't think there's going to be much more catching off guard. I think everything is kind of on the table and expected. Even if Clemson were to announce tomorrow, we're going to the Big Ten, I don't think people would be shocked by that right. at this point. Uh, so... Who knows what's we're in store for, but uh, Baylor, definitely not in the best spot, but could be in a worse spot, and I think wherever they end up, they'll be one of the best of, of whoever that grouping entails, but but all that, again, remains to be seen, so we'll see how these next few days go um, and next few weeks go, actually, but uh, Grayson, anything before we head out here?
1: No, just uh, be sure to check out uh, 365 Radio, you'll have a lot of guests on talking about the Pac-12, especially coming on today. And I know all throughout this week, y'all will probably be covering expansion and conference realignment a ton. Um, and then also be sure to check out the Sikkim 365 Premium side. We have all kinds of content on recruiting, the latest on various recruits like Austin Novasat and, and pretty much everyone. And then also all the other sports. We cover it all on Sikkim 365 Premium.
0: Yep, a lot of information there. Uh, Thanks to uh, the folks behind the scenes here, Jack and Garrett, on uh, doing what they do and uh, helping make this an even better product. And thanks to you as well, the listeners and the folks who ask questions. Uh, You keep us going week in and week out, and we are uh, here every single week, all year long. Um, You know, there's others that take off seasons, and I totally get it, but uh, we're here every single week. And uh, they've really blessed us in the off season this time around because it hasn't been an off season. There's been something – Massive, whether it's recruiting or expansion or whatever going on uh, ever since football season ended, really. I mean, it's not stopped. It's been been crazy, but uh, in a good way, depending on, on who you ask, that is. Uh, so until next time, look forward to hearing from you again. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great week. it has been the BearCast on sickem 365com